Thank you. Right. Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? Stab 2? Who'd want to do that? Sequels suck. No. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Wow! A second Super Saiyan? Second in order, perhaps, but by no means in stature. Your fight is with me now. I'll have my revenge and Deathstalker, too. Man, I can't fucking believe this. Another basement, another elevator. How can the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Oh, please, please. By definition alone, they're inferior films. Hey everyone, how's it going? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Inside the Sequel. You know what this is. This is the podcast where we talk about sequel movies that do not get enough love or attention that they deserve, and we bring them to light and recommend them. Uh, welcome to the new year of 2023, and I am so excited for what this year holds for the podcast. I figure we start off in a very unconventional manner today in our first episode for this new year. Um if you're new, I would definitely recommend um, checking out our previous episodes in the last year. I want to thank all the guests that I did have in the last year, Stephen Cognetti. Uh, I want to thank Roman Chimeni and uh, Tyler Jensen and all my amazing guests as well, including Daniel from Cobwebs, Lindsay Wilkins from Schlock and All. Um, I also want to thank Matt, personally, Matt Bledsoe from The Film Feast, because God, he filled my my belly full of great episodes. And uh, he guests on the podcast too. Love you, Matt. <laughs> And uh, so today we have a guest who's not made his return since our Turtles um, 2 episode. I have the very famous and very almost infamous, I should say, um, guest. I think he came around this time last year as well. Uh, you can check out check out his channel on YouTube today where he talks about Blu-rays, Criterion films, and all that great stuff. Uh, I have Nathan Jones. Nathan, how are you? Doing good. I, I thought I was going to be here for Garfield 2, Tale of Two Kitties, but instead we're we're here for uh, a very unconventional uh, thing going on here. I was actually very, very surprised by <laughs> when you were like, hey, let's do, uh, let's do a 30 for 30. I'm like, what? Yes. So, the, the the Tales of Two Kitty meme still lives on. Um, maybe one day. One day. Not. One day. When I have the courage. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll probably have that episode with you. Um, and I'll probably have Doug McCambridge on as well from Good Times, Great Movies as well. It just seems like uh, the Garfield's right up his alley. I don't know. Uh, kind of looks like him a little bit too. <laughs> anyway, sure. yeah. And so, yeah, Nathan's correct. So today's episode, we are doing a 30 for 30. For those who do not know what 30 for 30 is, it is an ESPN Films label. Uh, they put out sports documentaries centered around specific sporting events or people and kind of Dot chronicalizes the event or that person um, in the sports history. And they've done great episodes such as things about OJ Simpson. Uh, they've done episodes on Detroit basketball in the 90s, in the eighties and nineties. They did the very famous last dance on Netflix about Michael Jordan. I figured because in the spirit of, huh, I guess football season, uh, I was kind of itching. We just are right off the, uh, the college, uh, bowl game that just finished up i figured we would do a college football documentary on to justify it on inside the sequel we did it on a season two episode on espn's 30 for 30 series 
I think we're up to four now with 30 for 30. And uh, today we are talking about the the titled film, uh, Brian and the Boz. God, I get asked this question all the time. Who is the Boz? The Boz is highly controversial, highly sensational. I never met an athlete who could market himself better. I'm an extremist. People either hate me or love me. He built himself up to be bigger than life, action hero. A lot of people do that now. He just did it better. Everywhere you go, all you hear is Brian Bosworth. He's one of the best college linebackers ever seen play the game. You know who it is, the Boz. But arguably, he's one of the biggest jerks that's ever played the game. I told him not to do anything to take away from our player performance on the football field. If you tell me that I can't do something, by God, I'm going to want to do it. Which is about the linebacker Brian Bosworth. Also, it fits with this episode because it's a film podcast we're on. Brian Bosworth did the famous 80s film uh, Stone Cold. <laughs> not The Wrestler, uh, but uh, an with, 80s action film with Lance Hedrickson. So we figured this was a great way to justify talking about a sports documentary that's tied into film in some ways. Uh, Nathan, uh, what are your thoughts on Stone Cold? Not the movie, but The Wrestler. Uh, the Wrestler, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of Stone Cold Steve Austin. I, I, I'm a known rock hater, actually. I've, I've di disliked this guy since the late 90s. And um, all it's all because of Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know, he's the rattlesnake. He's, uh, he's, he's, got, he's always asking himself, I want one beer. I want two beers, a, a, a margarita, and he just keeps going and further and further into this, the craziest, uh, craziest of realms. Uh, he's he's the Texas rattlesnake for a reason. And then you hear, "Oh my God, that sort of a bitch!" Oh God, oh God. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, you know, we got speaking of Ohio, we got. I mean, <laughs> we're going to talk about him later, but um, yeah, no, for sure. Um, no, I, I man, I I, I love Stoke Cold Steve Austin. And I, and I love that you brought up uh, Stone Cold, the film, because I've actually never seen this movie. Have you? I, I've seen parts of Stone Cold. Um, I know it's a it's a pretty entertaining watch from what I've seen. It kind of gives it the opening, at least um, if you, it's a he's in a biker gang, um, Brian Bosworth or the Boz. And um, he's in a biker gang. It kind of feels like Cobra in a weird way <laughs> mixed in with like, I don't know, Action Jackson, possibly it just like um commando is what i i've always got i never finished the film um but it, i know he's in a biker gang and i think he's trying to prove like get out of like this jail sentence i i feel very um illegitimate on this podcast now because i haven't seen stone cold um Man, but i have seen a lot of college football so i do know a thing or two about brian bosworth yeah speaking of uh college football uh we're horn frogs right <laughs> no nah. You know, I, I'm kind of jealous of how invested people are in football, especially college football. It's a phenomenon that I've never understood. Like so many people support this one university's football team, and most of the fans are more than likely never attended that school or have no relation to that school. Professional sports, I understand. You know, you can like a team because of a player. You can like a team because of a history um, or because of, you know, geographic location. Um, but at the same time with college, it's a little different. Like, why would I root for a team in, in Texas, like, you know, Texas Christian university or Georgia, Georgia Bulldogs when I live in Chicago. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of it has to do with like going there, I guess. Yeah. Like 
that's the biggest thing. Like that's like I feel like that's the biggest difference between like a sport, like a professional sports team, like in the in the realm outside of college. Is it just seems like that's that would can be the only draw I can see really with um you know uh, friends or families who who have been to those colleges and whatnot and have been to those games. But like mm-hmm. I mean, it's weird though. Like I mean, I I come from Missouri, so Southwest Missouri, and you know. I, I mean, I have some allegiances to some of the college's stuff that I, I was around, but at the same time, it's like, it's not a strong love. I, I like, I like my, you know, Indiana Pacers, even though I'm not even close to Indiana. Um, I like my Oakland A's, even though I'm not even close to, you know, California. So like, I don't know, it's weird. It's a, it's a different, different switch. Yeah. Uh, before we get more into um, Brian and the Boz Bob documentary, I just want to talk, you know, check in on you, man. Like, how is how are things um, on the Nathan B. Jones podcast? Are is you know, like, are you are you consuming enough films? Or is it you know, the channel seems to have grown. I see you doing a lot of collaborations in this past year, which I think were awesome. Um, I love your intro, the intro music. Um, you know, you kind of you kind of out Cohen Elliot Cohen in a way. It's awesome. Well, um, well, Elliot's a good friend, so if he's listening, <laughs> um, but uh, regardless, um, no, no, it's been it's been a, a good 2022 was good. Um, kind of near the tail end of it, I, I needed to take a little bit of a break just because I just felt like um, just a lot of stuff was going on in in the world, and then also just personal life, and I mean, just switching switching vocations and whatnot, and. Um, yeah, my energy was just all over the place. But like, yeah, overall, like 2022 was really great because I was able to talk to a lot of great, really good people, um, all this, these different content creators and then just friends of the show and, and people who like watch our content and like listen, like, which is just still weird to me that people do that. Um, and then, you know, uh, yeah, so I, I've been doing that and just been focusing on trying to watch as many films as I can, but at the same time, like spend the time watching them and not just like checking them off a list. Like that's another big priority of mine now. Yeah. Um, your, your channels, you know, I, I feel like in YouTube in the comments I see, you know, it feels like there's a lot of underground water cooler talk with your channel. Um, it feels like there's a lot of great conversations and engagement in your comment sections and on social media. I don't know if you've done anything different um, in the past year, but it seems like, when you went to England and you did that England, you know, video, I felt like things kind of changed. I saw you do a lot more collaborations. Um, the film journeys kind of, you know, started kicking up a lot more. You know, kind of bringing what I liked about your um, your film journeys um, uh, series that's been going on is, you know, at first you start off very strong, hot, hard, and heavy. You know, you came up hot and heavy, um, mm-hmm. and then you kind of got some day ones in there eventually, like me, and then. Now you're bringing in, I feel like, a lot of relatively unknown or up-and-coming startup YouTube channels. Like you did 20th and 20, uh, 21st, 20th and 21st centuries, you know, YouTube channel. You brought that on. Um, you collab with a couple other people. And I and it's just like I've kind of been introduced that way to new channels and new, you know, personalities that I didn't know were there. I mean, in the algorithm of YouTube, right? So um, I feel yeah. like with my algorithm, it's basically anything from Family Guy spliced, um, you know, clips to freaking meme culture TikTok challenge things. I mean, that's that's, <laughs> that's how I uh, that's how I get people to to follow you is like, hey, you like TikTok? Go, go follow Chris, man. Like mm-hmm. he's got a TikTok channel. I don't even know what your like your um, I, I I don't know what a TikTok is, even though I was in China. <laughs> 
uh, when it was around. And so um, don't ask me what that what that means. So I just I can't help you there. But yeah, no, it's been it's been a good year. Um, also, like I know that you haven't probably decided to, to hear this, but um, I also have a, um, a a podcast with my old roommate um, that I started uh, over the last like three four months, and we talk about metal. So um, if anyone is interested in that genre of, of music, um, scouring the depths is the podcast, mm-hmm. and um, we've been doing it. Uh, weekly we've been putting out podcast episodes and so that's been a lot of fun just talking about music which is something i don't really get to talk about too often um but yeah so if you like if you like film and film discussion like watch the channel uh specifically blu-rays with nathan jones um uh, and then if you like you know music and uh metal in particular uh and the different ju- subgenres of it um yeah scouring the depths is the podcast so okay that's awesome is there um are there a few metal bands where you're just not touching at all? Where you're just like, we're not, we're not talking about new metal or we're not talking about, you know, Metallica, you know, you know, like, yeah, no, I, cause I'm I, kind I, of a metalhead myself, you know, like Slipknot's my, yeah. Yeah. Slipknot, Rob Zombie. Those are your, those are your <laughs> boys. Um, no, I mean, I, we're going to be pretty open about it. Um, my roommate and I are really similar tastes. So we definitely may not like some genres and some bands, but we're still going to probably talk about them. Um, that's the thing about the, the the podcast is we're talking about so many different things on it. We have like themes like this month right now. We're focusing more on uh, talking about um, our favorite albums of 2022. And so we're, we're going through our lists and uh, going through our top 20. And then like the month after that, we're going to talk about Post metal, which is like a really great subgenre that I I adore and uh, can't wait to talk about. So that's awesome, man. That's really cool. I I'm excited to hear all that stuff. Um, I'll definitely be plugging that. You know, your voice is like butter to my ears. So I'm definitely excited to check that out. Um, but that's great. Uh, so Nathan, you know, when I asked you to be on the thirty for th- uh, be on this episode, and I wanted to do a thirty for thirty. I feel like me, like a lot of people who even I feel like this po- this 30 for 30 did include people who weren't even remar- remotely interested in sports was the the Netflix exclusive. I felt like it was a Netflix exclusive almost in a way. Uh, the mm-hmm. Michael Jordan um, Last Dance documentary. Oh, um, yeah. I binged that thing twice last year. <laughs> so and I know the story. I've known the story for a long time. Um, but you know, the way it was, you know, broken down to a series instead of just one, like, you know, documentary film, um, I thought was a smart take on it. Um, but then also it got me remind, got me thinking about sports documentaries and I feel like sports films and sports documentaries come hand in hand, obviously with the criterion collection, you have hoop dreams, which to me is one of the best documentary films about sports period. Uh, and, and, you know, ESPN story for 30 has a lot of similar hard-hitting documentaries like that and then you get some ones about relatively unknown or you know oh i I forgot about that moment kind of uh you know experiences so that's why i think 30 for 30 um i feel like is a very open kind of spectrum for for film fans i feel like especially with you um i know personally that you know you and i talk about sports just as maybe as much as we talk about movies now um Mm -hmm. and i feel like you know maybe if you're not a fan of sports you can still be a fan of sports films and you can appreciate sports documentaries. Um, was that the case for you? Did you like, you know, watch things like, you know, draft day, 
you know, and, and things like that in films or like, you know, Bad News Bears maybe or Major League. You go like, yeah, like, I, you know, I don't like the watch the sport, but I like watching the movies maybe. Um, or was there 30 for 30 documentaries that you gravitated to where you're like, oh, let me do some research on this? Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting because for most of my life, especially my like uh, I would say teenage to young adult life, I, I've always kind of been anti-sport. I've never been a fan of sports. Mm-hmm. Um now, when I was younger, I played sports, right? Like a lot of us did. Like we right. played soccer. I played basketball. I played baseball. Uh, I did Taekwondo, things like that. Um, but it's not its not something that like would like stick with me and not, not something like I really loved. Like I may have liked in the moment, but I didn't really like fall in love with it until really, oddly enough, you, you mentioned it, but the last dance, uh, when COVID hit and that happened at the same time, um, weirdly enough, I... It, it, it all clicked with me. Um, now, before I get into that, obviously, I, I had watched things like Moneyball, mm-hmm. and I had seen things like Hoosiers and uh, those classic movies like Mighty Ducks and the, the, things like that. And I've always been a fan of those things. Like, even if I'm like, I'm not into the sport, but like, I really like this story. Like, right. it's, it's a good story. Um, but yeah, then, yeah, like I said, Last Dance kind of just came out of nowhere for me. And like, it just brought back all these memories from 1998. And um yeah, it just made me think about like that time of my life where I was like, I actually kind of did enjoy basketball. I didn't really know very much about it, but it it kind of gave me a new appreciation for it. And then it made me want to watch the NBA. And so now I'm a I'm a I'm a Pacers fan, and I have been for only a few years, I guess now, um, which is crazy to me to think. But like when I get into something, I get into something very like passionately. So, mm-hmm. um, and I and I'm I'm sure a lot of my friends who who know me are like, how, like what? Like, how did you get into this? And then I'm like, it's like, and why Pacers? Like, they always, they always ask me, like, you just picked a random team. It's like, yeah, it's pretty much how it happened. I just started watching random games and then all that happened. But yeah, my sports journey is just a weird one because um, it all started with, you know, being a kid in youth youth camp and, and all those things. And then eventually getting into movies that I'd watch that have sports related to it. And then eventually to the documentary. And, and then now I'm like, I watch all the 30 for 30s I can get. And I get as many of those, you know, stories as I can get, even if I'm like, it's like, oh, it's about NASCAR or it's about Formula One or, you know, it's about, you know, Tanya Harding. It's like these are things I'm like, I'm not super interested in like the thing they're going to do like in in sports. Like I'm not going to follow those sports, but I'm following the story and it's really interesting. And there's like a lot of humanity behind it. And now that's like I think that's the connection I brought is there's a lot of there's these are humans these are humans that are really gifted or who really put their bodies on the line for things. And, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're there to, you know, showcase how amazing like the human spirit is. So like, that's what, that's what like really kind of drives me to why I watch these things. So, oh, uh, yeah. Not to mention, uh, we also, both of us grew up watching wrestling too. So, yeah, I'm waiting for a 30 for 30 on the WWE. Now that Saudi Arabia bottom out. Zing we'll see we'll see Vince is, uh, Vince is out of the cage i heard uh-huh. so uh yeah the out of the cage uh I, it's, <laughs> yeah uh yeah nathan and i share an affinity same as you know anthony buziak aka boozy of the terror table big wrestling fan as well um so yeah i'd love to do um an episode i'll probably do it inside the sequel episode on wrestlemania 25 if anything that's a sequel wrestlemania right there and that's an iconic one uh so look up for that episode one day 
but you know, yeah, you said it very well. Um, even if you're not a sports fan, you get into the drama and the story. And honestly, at the bottom, at, and the bottom line is, <laughs> speaking of Stone Cold, um, that you know, sports documentaries is a part of history, and we get things like you know historical dramas. We get history draw, um, history documentaries. Uh, Peter Jackson did "They Shall Not Grow Old." That documentary got a lot of buzz and great positive feedback, even from people who don't even like documentaries. Um, and I feel like it's a very accessible way, and I think uh, to to learn about these events, whether you're into invested in that sport, that team, or that person or not, it's just a it's a human story, like you said. It's about these gifted people. Um, now, the great thing about Thirty for Thirty is the direction style. A lot of the time, these directors who do these um, documentaries, they're not well-known a lot of times. It seems like ESPN has like the MCU effect of, of, of you know, casting unknown directors to do these projects that do really well. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, they actually sit down and interview people who haven't seen each other for 25 plus years and we're witnessing it on a documentary film and the way they, you know, they splice the current day with the, in, 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 in the past and try to get an understanding of that. I feel like anybody can grasp what the event is going on. 30 for 30 has been, a, been around for a very long time. I think even since I was in high school and I'm, at, I'm what, 26 now. So it's been around for a while. Um, so I, I really encourage people to check out ESPN's 30 for 30s and find maybe an event or a sport that you're remotely interested in and give it a chance. I feel like you might find something there. Um, do you remember the first 30 for 30, Nathan, that you kind of stumbled upon or was it something you actively sit, you know, you sought out that you wanted to watch or was it just something that you're like, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to watch Last Dance. And then it was just, you know, all downhill from there. Well, it, it's probably more of the latter part. It was probably more of the last dance and all downhill. But I do feel like, I mean, I do feel before that even happened, there were like sprinkles of 30 for 30s that I had been exposed to. Maybe I, I don't remember like consciously watching. I do remember OJ uh, Made in America being a thing right before the last dance. And, oh, yeah. Uh, being talked about a lot. And that, that was kind of a breakthrough thing. And, it, it, and it's a fantastic documentary. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. It, it, it definitely feels like the last dance was the catalyst and like in, in general, but I do feel like there's ones that have stood out because I am a, a basketball fan per se. So, I mean, like just like watching an episode on Duke, um, and, uh, those terrible, those terrible people, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, uh, watching on the, like the bad boys, uh, the Pistons and like, these are ones that like really stick stick out to me because I'm a big fan of, the, of these things. And then, I mean, obviously to get out of 30 for 30 for just like a second, like I know that Netflix has their, their untold series, which is like pretty much akin to what 30 for 30 is doing. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And they, they did a Malice at the Palace episode, which is really special to me because mm -hmm. I am a, like I said, a Pacers fan. So uh, that's a really like a very emotional and very like damning story that happened and it's a real event that happened and that's the other thing too is like i think that's where it really can capture a lot of the the interest in this thing is because it's like oh this is just like a crazy thing that happened like in history and it just happens to be in a sports doc like in a sports documentary or a like a sports oriented thing like that's the only thing that like is added to it and i think that's really where like the translation like really hits home um i think for for people if if you're interested in 
and watching these kind of things like that's that's that go into it like looking for a, a story a human story and then come out of it being like i might be a little bit interested in that sport maybe you're not that's fine but hopefully you watch a good documentary yeah, I recommend like even if you're not a sports fan to watch sports documentaries because I feel like those are more enjoyable. Now, if you start watching the sport after you get invested in it, that's cool too. But once you start gambling <laughs> and doing, you know, um, overs and unders and gambling and sports and sports betting, then I think sports is not for you and you need to get out of that. <laughs> I've noticed a trend lately in sports. I know this is completely off topic, but I have noticed in a trend in sports lately Sports bets are going through the roof. You get like DraftKings and all this other stupid shit um, where people are like making sports bets all the time. And it's like, I feel like that's a part of the reason I'm not as invested in sports anymore is because people are just like, oh, I'm watching the game. I'm like, oh, great. Are you a fan of this, the, the team or something? And they're like, no, I, I have the over on this game. <laughs> I was like, first of all, I don't gamble. So I don't know what the fuck that means. Yeah, I don't um, gamble. So. Yeah, not, but I feel like that's part of the reason sports, well, I feel like, has kind of blown up even more now in social media, things like TikTok and stuff, where people are, you know, giving advice on, like, how to properly sports gamble, fantasy, the the success of fantasy football, you know, in general, you know, and then, you know, it's January, we're going to have March Madness in two months, which for some people, that's basically their sporting event for the year. Um, what am I? I'm yeah, excited, right? Yeah, right. Even and the, I haven't watched any college basketball at all this year, and um, I'm excited for March Madness. Um, it's just crazy how sports kind of infuses itself in 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 culture and in everybody's everyday life in some way or another. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's that's the thing is like, and that's like what we're gonna get to today with when we're talking about Brian and the boss. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a moment in history that happened and it, it opened up the doors for a lot of things that were going to happen in the future, because this was like a, a, like, so Brian, um, he, um, he was a character, um, and eventually, um, you know, kind of the actions and his look and his style kind of kicks into what we're dealing with, what you're kind of talking about right now, actually with the social media influence, uh, your own image, like um, a lot of uh, athletes just have like their own likeness that they're able to, you know, manage themselves because of social media. Um, whereas like when this story happened, um, you know, it was in the 80s. And this also like was a time where like there were a lot of strict guidelines and, um, you know, th there was consequences for actions. And so like that's kind of what we're going to get to today. Yeah, so let's go ahead and go into the, the 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 episode, the film we're talking about today, which is the thirty for thirty film, Brian and the Boss. Uh, so the film starts off uh, with Brian Bosworth. Uh, Brian's boss, Brian Bosworth, was a football player. Um, he played linebacker in college for the Oklahoma Sooners, um, University of Oklahoma. Um, granted, he's from Texas, so one off. First off, that's a big deal. Um, in terms of geographic rivalry, um, I always thought Oklahoma and versus Texas is like who's the more country, <laughs> like who wears the taller ten gallon hat, I guess, uh, who's the bigger cowboy. Uh, but yeah, that that's part of the drama there. Um, the second thing was he was a very controversial college sports athlete in the way he marketed himself. And the third thing at the core of this documentary, to me, and why I loved, I've I've, I've watched this one three times now. What I love about it is it really, um, oh, what am I, what's the word I'm thinking of? It really dissects 
masculinity, positive masculinity. It, it, it really talks about, you know, a, a, you know, accepting and having humility for past mistakes and forgiving mm-hmm. and accept this. Um, and also a lot to do with, you know, social and parental pressure um, with sport that comes with sports. I mean, I feel like a lot of people who go into sports feel some sort of pressure. I feel like there are parents. I mean, isn't that the big trope in kids sports that parents are yelling at their kids and the refs at a little league basketball game, you know, and, and, you know, living through their kids in some way. I feel like this documentary kind of puts the stamp on an emphasis on these issues um, as well. So I really like this documentary. I think it covers a lot of interesting things. And I love the opening where it just talks, it starts with Brian Bosworth driving with his son to a storage unit to which Brian's Bosworth hasn't been into where his, you know, currently deceased father um, had owned and he has to go through it and clear things out with his son. And it's kind of going through memory lane. I think that's a terrific opening. It sets the stage on what's going on. And I love how it goes back and forth between the, the past and the present of going through this storage unit yeah. with his son. Yeah. I do too. I mean, the, the opening really, like you, like you kind of highlighted is, um, is a great way to like really kind of get you in like, well, like what, like, why is this such a, like, what, why are we doing this right now? Like, why aren't we just talking about, you know, like what happened with this guy? Like, right. Like, mm-hmm. but like, like you're saying the consequences of this, this guy who has such a personality, obviously it's in the title. Um, that's why they're separated. It's Brian and the boss mm-hmm. because it's a, it's two parts of, of a single person um, and like a personality versus like the, the human being that exists. And um, that that's really what it's highlighting. It's highlighting those, those two halves. Um, and yeah, no, I, I love, uh, the way this is, is started, started off. And like, you're saying it's going back and forth and, um, you know, and, you know, you, you, you bring up that generational, um, thing where like, you know, you, you have the parents who are on the sidelines yelling at the kids or, or whatnot. You, you saw that with Brian, uh, happened with his father who had these huge expectations on his shoulders and, and it, it eventually leads to such a like you're saying is a very understanding um, and a very uh, humbling kind of male experience to where you're, you're, he's talking to his son and he's saying like, Hey, like you may like, you may like this particular thing about me, but this is not something I'm proud of. This is something like that. I'm like, I, like he gets so, he gets so choked up in so many moments in this entire documentary, which makes it even more like I'm choking up thinking about it. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so crazy because it's like, there's this six foot two guy, 250, you know, like this big guy um, with his son, who's this, who's the hawk and animal. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like he's this big guy um, with his son, who's tall and lanky, like complete opposite of what he is. And the dad is the one who's super emotional and, and it's a, I feel like this, this, this documentary tackles a lot of deep rooted issues that aren't on the surface. Like it, the, the documentary gets deeper and deeper. It talks about, I mean, it interviews Brian um, personally off, you know, off the site and in the site, it talks about his, you know, they interview his sister, they interview childhood friends and they talk about his upbringing and his father. And it's so the way they talk about it, how it was then, and then realizing, oh, 
crap. Like the way my father or his father was talking to him was, is not okay. And we just dismissed it in the past. Like it was normal for a, a father to scold their son in public and publicly humiliate him and just never be good enough. Um, was normalized. No one did anything. And then, you know, ultimately being the bystander pays the price where Brian becomes this kind of, it, it, it makes it seem like it's a do- sort of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde to include film into this documentary. You know, he doesn't have a split personality disorder. He doesn't. He talks about how he's this big, very talented athlete who had, was very introverted, who was very um, low in self-confidence. And what he did to cope with it was create a, create a persona that allowed him to have those things he didn't have to me it sounds you know like a a success story but it's just you know when you watch the documentary more and you see you know step by step how his life goes on it just kind of was like the beginning of the end for him yeah no it uh like you know moving past like the um the 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 opening crawl and then like you're saying talking about like his childhood friends um talking about how he grew up and you know it the the documentary puts forth like he's like okay like how he started off in OU and how he really dominated and then you know it was really quiet like he like he said and then eventually like a switch kicked in to where it's like oh I need to show I need to show everyone you know like what I'm made of like I'm I'm really like I'm all that you know I'm I'm something that needs to be like worshipped in a way Mm -hmm. and like I want to be different from everything else and like that's that's where that like that whole thing that whole persona started with the boss and it it is interesting to see that that transformation because even like even watching this documentary and me watching like the footage of the old times and then also just thinking about him talking about it now it does seem like it was a show like as in like the he was still brian the entire time and like only when like a camera was put in front of him, like in the olden days, was he like, oh yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say something about the NCAA, or I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and um you know you know have some some crazy haircut that is like super against the the regulation, or like having like these taped shoes that have messages on them, um just to like prove a point, um and uh, kind of strike fear into uh his you know uh the rivals that he would be playing against, but also the teams and like just people in general, right. Society, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah. I mean, yeah. When Brian, Brian gets recruited by famous, um, famous college, uh, coach, uh, Spritzer, I believe it was right. Um, Barry, Barry Switzer. Sorry. Um, you know, Brian comes in as a freshman in college and he's kind of has the pressure on his shoulders of a whole football program to to do well. Um, he succeeds expectations, um, but he cracks under pressure. Again, his introvertness and like these expectations he can't meet as Brian. So he decides his persona is going to be this character called Boz. So Brian Bosworth is now the Boz and he rocks a, a sweet fade mullet. He looks like Iceman. Uh, mixed in with vanilla ice um he, i mean he he also he just looks cool he's a badass he plays the linebacker best, the best mullet i've ever seen i, I mean yeah i mean honestly i would have gone it's, it's like what 
what Arnold's flat um, flat top did for me when I was in my formative years. I remember when I was like nine or 10 years old and my dad took me to go get a haircut for my birthday. And my mom said, you know, make, to my dad, make sure he gets a haircut for his birthday. And my dad takes me to the barbershop and he says, you can get whatever you want. And I tell the lady at the barbershop, can I get the Arnold Schwarzenegger haircut? And she gives me a flat top for my birthday. And my mom's like, to my dad, what the fuck is this? Why did you let him do this? And he goes like, it was his fucking birthday. Like, you know, like that's how, that's the type of shit I would have been on. If I knew who the boss was, I probably would have gotten a fucking faded mullet. Like that shit is awesome. Um, And he's wearing these, yeah, what are those, what are those sunglasses he's wearing? Like those like straight up 80s sunglasses. Straight up like wrestling glasses is what they, they seem to be. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're from Brian the Hitman Hart. I I swear to God, they look exactly. Macho Man's other like <laughs> I'm the Macho mix. Man. It's a mix between Macho Man and Bret Hart for sure. Yeah, it would have been awesome if like Brian Bosworth pulled up a camera after like making a sack and said, Bonesaw is really Spider-Man reference there for everyone who doesn't know I can't wait to cover Spider-Man 2 on this podcast. Um, but yeah, that's not one of the unknown sequels, right? You know everyone knows that one. Pick, right? Pardon? You know the boy to pick that one for that one, right? Uh, I might do a Spider-Man 3 just to be that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we have Brian Bosworth is a fucking badass in college. I mean, he's wor- he's rocking this mullet fade. He's got these sweet shades. He's a fucking prick in interviews. Like, he tells people, like, I don't give a fuck, like, if you hate me or not. Like, I'm, you know, he's talking shit about other teams that are very talented. And, but the thing is... He, you know, he he talks a talk and he walks the fucking walk wearing a fucking cutoff jersey that doesn't fit him. Like he's showing the abs. He's he's tackling bozos. I mean, yeah, the boss is fucking badass. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, and, and he's also insanely smart. That's the one thing about this podcast uh, about this uh, documentary uh, that captures well about Brian Bosworth. I feel like in a documentary like this, talking about a character like Brian Bosworth. I think people would be like, oh, he's just like this jock idiot that's super talented and doesn't care about consequences. But when you're they're interviewing the boss, he's talking about his process and why he did these things. And you're like, holy shit, this guy knew what the fuck he was doing. Yeah, like, it's so it's smart. His, it's as I, I think his emotional intelligence is really high. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the that's the <clears throat> that's the thing I would say is like the reason why it's such a good story to get a hold of because you can empathize with what he's doing because he, he, you can really tell he's being genuine about what he's talking about. And like, that's, that really shows through with the documentary is like how honest he's being. Yeah. Like it talks about like how much pride he had and how much disdain he had for his family. I feel like also, you know, he goes to Oklahoma, even though he's living in Texas and everyone and his friends are from Texas as well. Um, he kind of does it like in an act of rebellion. It's not the boss who's doing this; it's Brian, and I feel like that's part of like his whole thing is he's trying <laughs> to get away from something constantly. What he's getting away with is his father. He's getting away from like you know these issues and trying to avoid them. But it seems like trouble constantly was following him when he would do that. Like when he left Oklahoma, he wouldn't go home, but his dad would still come to all the games. Um. You know, when the media was coming to him and he was too introverted and, and wanting to, you know, avoid the interviews, he became the boss and would do these interviews that would bite him in the ass. Um, but he still won a national championship. Well, technically he won two. He didn't play in one of them. 
Um, <laughs> Got kicked but, out for yeah, that was kind of BS in my opinion. But what again? We'll go back to the storage unit part. Is with his son. It feels like at the beginning of the documentary, his son is just idolizing his dad, and his his dad every time is pulling out these remnants from his past that his dad had kept. And the way that Brian talks about his dad is just like a disdain, and just like why did he care about these stats? Why was he living through me? And he's trying to tell his son, like, don't do that. Like, don't idolize me. Don't think this stuff is super fucking cool. I'm trying to teach you a lesson. Like, be your own person. And that's where the heart of this documentary shines, I feel like. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, like you were kind of alluding to, it's like, you know, he's going through this, these memorabilia that he has of the past self that he was. And it it comes across uh, one particular uh, thing that like, is <laughs> crux of like where like he really feels like he fucked up. Like this is the this is the thing where it's like, why did I wear this this thing? Um, why was I trying to you know get in deeper water? And so uh, and that thing was the NCAA shirt. That NCAA t shirt's fucking badass. I mean. I don't know. It's just like some shit. I feel like if you didn't like sports, you would call him a prick. Um. So yeah, Brian Bosworth, because, uh, and I, I still think this was a bullshit thing at the time, but I felt like because he was bigger than f- college football in his own right, the NCAA was trying to use him as a scapegoat. And that's what the documentary kind of talks about. It's like, Hey, he was punished, but over overtly severely punished. Because he had an injury after they won the national championship and he went to a doctor and the doctor had prescribed steroids and the NCAA had said, you know, he tested positive for steroids, even though they were from his medication from a doctor. But, you know, the accusations were still out and his coach was not willing to defend him. Um, So, you know, he was suspended for the national championship college football game. Um, the biggest player in the country, he was suspended for it because he wore a T-shirt that said, for the NCAA, it said National Communist Against Athletes on the sidelines. And, and then on, it says, what does it say? On the back? Yeah, no, in the front, it said, uh, like, it like, he said something about Russia, right? <laughs> no, yeah, he, yeah, I mean, he, he basically was calling the NCAA, you know, fucking communist and uh, Russians during the 80s. So right so right reagan had a hard on when he probably saw that um but yeah in a national championship game when all the cameras there and you know the the documentary kind of tell interviews his teammates and his teammates say yeah that's fucking stupid that was selfish of him and stuff like that to take away from the team and stuff like that the sports part of it i don't care too much about but it's more or less when they after they show clips of these things that he brian bosworth did it goes to brian in the present and he's talking about like, you know, my boss persona had taken over where I didn't care about the consequences. You know, I was too hurt by then or I was too upset to kind of rationale this thing. So I'm just going to act out. And to me, that's very relatable. It's like, I don't blame the guy. Like, I mean, you know, you see the type of scandals and things that, you know, current athletes get these days. And you think about the system and the institutions and all the things on a, you know, behind underneath the surface that are un- unfair and benefit other people. 
I'm kind of like with the boss, you know, in 2023. I'm like, yeah, like I would have fucking wore the shirt too. But the NCAA didn't pay college athletes back then, but profited off them. So fuck them, you know? Um, I think the documentary is way ahead of its time in 2013, in a 2023 where college athletes do get paid now. Um, I don't know. Like, I didn't, where do you stand with that t-shirt? Because it seemed like a small little joke ended up having a huge impactful consequence on him. And that's what the documentary changes for sure. Yeah. Um, well, it's weird because I I would say like personally, I'm somebody who kind of likes to stay away from controversial things. Now, like if you, but like, I mean, have I, you watched my YouTube channel? I mean, obviously we're different. In that way. Me coming, me getting on this podcast was a mistake. <laughs> uh, but uh other than that, uh, no, I mean, I, the thing is, I don't know. Like, it's it's just strange to me. I, I, I think I think public reaction, and I also think, like, entities' reaction that, like, there's a control element when the, the, those things come in, that's what really irritates me is because it's, like, this is pretty, like, inoffensive. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's, like, it's a, it's a, it's a joke. It's a, maybe it's not a good joke. Uh it's just like but like to like completely like remove him from you know the team pretty much and being like it's like you can't you're like you're blacklisted now like exactly it, it, to me, it just seems so it's so minuscule like I, I could see like it's like it's weird because like uh, thinking about the nba right now right um you know like i can think of grayson allen you know mm-hmm. talking about him and the amount of things that he's like done to other players and like he's still doing it this season um and he just gets like you know, a flagrant foul or like, you know, like almost ending Caruso's career, mm-hmm. uh, who's a, is a player, um, like he gets, I think he got like one game suspension, like, and then like you go back to like the mouse of the palace mm-hmm. and then you're like, like the, the consequences are like, they're so outweighed and like, they're so crazily different. Um, now, obviously those are different things where there's athletes. I mean, there's a lot of caveats in there, but like, I feel like, I just, I don't know. I, I just think like when you are somebody who is a, an athlete who is a, a representative of, you know, uh, a, an entity of some sort, a team per se, I think that, yeah, there should be consequences, but like, I don't think that it should be enough to where it's like, I think it should be an internal and then not so much like, Hey, you're, you're all done. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I'm just rambling right now, but like, no, do you get a good point? It's like, why is Kyrie Irving and why is LeBron James constantly getting crucified um, by the media? Um, while someone like Grayson Allen, who's kind of a scrub in the NBA um, is making millions of dollars trying to hurt other athletes without repercussions. But like LeBron, you know, puts out a tweet or like Kyrie Irving puts out a personal opinion when a reporter asks him, they're like, oh, whoa, you know, like those guys are toxic. You know, those those do those guys are, you know, a cancer to a locker room. What Grayson Allen's not, you know, like if Grayson Allen was my my teammate, I would be like, what the fuck are you doing out there, dude? Um, you know, and then it goes to me. I think that's what I think Brian and the boss is kind of going into is that there was something inherently wrong with the institution. It's we're talking about the 80s, the mid 80s, the Reaganomics era of the 80s of sports. And he's talking about communism. I think that's a that's a that's a fair argument you made. Maybe he's the scapegoat for something of a bigger issue at hand, you know, and he's just kind of like, you know, one little domino that had a fall. 
Um, yep. And it obviously impacted his life because then after that, he's like you said, he's blacklisted, like in film during the you know McCarthyism and, and you know the the black uh, listing in Hollywood. You know, Brian Bosworth is kind of left in limbo. He event he kind of is forced to just go professional into the National Football League because this college coach would not accept him, which yeah. hurts ultimately because he saw him as a father figure um in the documentary it's no it's no like you know secret um and when he gets to the league you know he's like this ultra mega star which i think is pretty badass like he has all these endorsements and all these pictures of he looks like the ultimate ba- badass bozo or boz excuse me <laughs> bozo yeah no it's uh but he's still i mean like that's the thing is like he's still like hurt from the whole experience and so mm-hmm. like he can tell he's already he's already far far gone past that point so he was already like you know, he was turning down contracts and whatnot just to, and then eventually got, eventually got signed just, and then, you know, by that time that happened, I feel like it was already too late. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he played uh, a, a season um, and then got hurt and then like pretty much had to end it, which is just crazy. So, um, but I have a, I, I have a sneaking suspicion. A lot of that, like that physical damage that happened to him, a lot of that had to do with like his emotional stability as well, like his mm-hmm. mental his mental health, and I like th- those all come in tandem. So if you're if you're mentally not having things going well for you, you're probably physically also in the same boat, and Ooh. so it affects that. So I think that's the reason why he is his MB is his NFL career was so short is because he already had things going on his demons that he was fighting. Interesting. Yeah. Cause like when, when he gets into the professionals and he's going into the supplemental draft to me, I, when I'm watching that, I feel like it's like Godfather, like Godfather feels like Goodfellas. Um, you know what? Like where Henry is like selling cocaine from his guys in Philadelphia and you know, Paulie's not supposed to know about it and everything. And like, he's driving around town and that helicopter is chasing him and he's in a emotional distress and it's a physical distress for him. And he's got to do all this other shit. That's yep. what I feel like that part of the sh- the documentary where he's like, I got these endorsement deals. I got a movie contract. I'm trying to, you know, I'm get fucking paid and all this other stuff before I even touch the fucking field, you know? And it's like, it kind of feels like that, like this, this high anxiety fucking cocaine rush to like do all this shit. That's like irrelevant to what you're supposed to be doing. And, you know, that's what I feel like when I'm watching it. And I know, like you said, when you talk about the, you know, he was probably emotionally uh, unstable for it and mentally unstable for it. It seems like he admits like, yeah, he was spinning out of control and no one was there to kind of check up on him. It always felt like his career was almost illegitimate in a way. It felt like it was a career built on like saying controversial or doing controversial things. He's kind of yeah. like the pre-Kanye of the NFL. Ooh, Zing! Not- Still, you're still a stan of him, huh? After all this time. But he made the college dropout, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> just, because, just because. No, uh, no, I can't get canceled on my own podcast. Now, I, 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 I've had to put Kanye to rest. I haven't played him in at least, you know, months. So I know he was your top artist of last year. So don't. don't <laughs> yeah, Mac DeMarco, because I'm a basic bitch. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and then you know, while this is going on, he's it still cuts away to him conversing with his son, and I love the part where he kind of breaks down when he sees his first NFL contract picture 
with his dad and his family. And he said, this should have been the happiest moment of my life, but it was actually one of the worst because I was at a terrible place in my life. And he starts crying. Like it's an emotional moment for him. And his son is there patting him and crying too. And it's like, you know, like, first of all, I'm thinking ESPN, how do you convince this guy to go you know, to the storage unit for like pain and suffering and going back and revisiting his past. And then like, you know, having him be able to go through all those things, it's just so hard, you know, it's like going through your phone and like, you know, going through your past and like crying because like, you know, like those, those were, those were bad moments, you know, you're revisiting your past. That's what they're doing with him. Um, Really powerful stuff in my opinion. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, like, I mean, like that's kind of what highlights this one in particular out of uh, a lot of the 30, 30 for 30s that are out there is because it, it definitely it feels like it comes full circle. I mean, like, it leads up to that final that final shot where it's, mm-hmm. you know, him and his son out on the field at an OU game. Like, yeah. you know, like, all these people and he's finally been like, you know, accepted and embraced in OU culture. And has been for some time now, um, luckily. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's nice to see people still care about him. Um, and even if it's like you're like, hey, I was here for not all the right reasons, but like you you still care for him. Like and like and then he you know comes out to that field and sees all the all the people like greet him and and whatnot. But like he just like looks into looks out out there and he's like, you know what? It's like it was still worth, you know, playing the game like and that's and at the end of the day, that's that that's something that really shines through is because he's there with his son. He's there kind of, you know, accepting the fact that he went through all that pain, um, but he's do, definitely trying to get through it in a way where he's telling his son about like, it's like, hey, like you be you and don't let me dictate how you exist. Mm hmm. I love that part. Um, I think it's just an important part of ESPN's 30 for 30s in general. Yes, they're about awesome sports moments, but there's always a heart to them. And that's why I get pissed at every Oscars where there isn't an ESPN 30 for 30 documentary nominated for Best Documentary of the Year. You heard it here first, folks. We got to get get it. get the uh, petition started rolling. Yeah. If you could do a 30 for 30, what would you do a 30 for 30 sports documentary on? Well, it's easy for me. I would just uh, talk about the ABA Pacers. Ooh, that would be pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I would talk about it. I mean, that was the most dominant um, uh, basketball team in uh, that short-lived league that existed, mm-hmm. and now we have mm-hmm. four teams in the NBA that are com- that came from that particular mm-hmm. um, time in 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 basketball history. But like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I I like basketball documentaries. That's that's definitely my sport um that i'm a fan of and uh yeah it's just it's always exciting to kind of see where things came from and uh and where things lead uh especially when it comes to places and and times and the the different types of people who were there and like what what made it so such a like an enigmatic place to be and um yeah a lot of the times i feel like it's super forgotten these kind of things because time passes yeah, we have, you know, movies, we have documentaries on these things. Like, I mean, like right now I'm looking at uh, the Criterion uh, 100 Years of Olympics box set that I have. Oh, yeah. 
which is a, a really cool box set uh, that I've only seen a little bit from. But like, I know that when I do jump into that thing and I, and I jump into it like bit by bit, I know how special that's going to be. And like, I, I just know for a fact that like, this is history that I'm looking at. And, and at the end of the day, I know that you and I both have a history background uh, in our, in our education, like world. And like, that's the things that we're interested in, like just at, just in our everyday kind of things that we're, we're going through. And so, um, yeah, if it's, if it's related, if it ties to like a sports documentary or it ties to a movie or something like, like an Epic movie, like Troy or something, even if it's not real, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's those things that like really like get me going. It's like, it's like, wow, so much stuff has happened in the past that, that we don't know anything about. And um, we, ha- we haven't forgot about it. And that's the thing that I care about. Mm, interesting. If I were to do a 30 for 30, I would do it on the 2006 Chicago Bears road to the Super Bowl. I'm biased because I was a kid and I loved the fucking Bears as a kid growing up. Um, okay. And that was the first time they went to the Super Bowl since 1985. Um, and they played the Indianapolis Colts, um, Peyton Manning's Colts. And that was Peyton Manning's first Super Bowl win. The Bears lost, ultimately. One of the saddest moments of my life, I think. I remember watching that game because the Bears were winning most of that game. And then they lost. And I remember saying, looking at my dad and saying, the Bears are about to win a Super Bowl, right, Dad? I've waited my whole life for this. And he's like, it looks like it, Dad. And then they fucking lost. And then my dad had a depression. So, you know. You know, I I kind of pivot that moment to being my dad has a depression because of the fucking Bears losing in the Super Bowl, and hence you know my disappointment in life because of that. And that's why you are the way you are now. There you go. I'm so apathetic because of that fucking. You know, every I live in Chicago, and it's a breath of fresh air to be back in Chicago, back to where I grew up, because. Um, you know, there's such an apathetic attitude and a self-loathing attitude in this city because of our sports teams. And I kind of love it. It's a comfort blanket. Yeah. The, 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 the Cubs suck. Yeah. I know the Cubs suck, but we love them. The lovable losers, right? Just like us living in Chicago in the fucking gold. Um, the bears fucking suck. They're idiots just like us. Cause we're working our fucking idiot jobs. Right. So yeah, you know, there's a part of the, the trade of the city that I love. <laughs> take is uh i like the blackhawks which is not a likes team right now <laughs> yeah yeah fuck the hawks <laughs> I but mean, like, i don't follow hockey but like i mean just be it's weird because like i like you know, like yourself i mean i've only been to chicago um you know i think three or four times now in my life um mm-hmm. but that's a like that is a city i do not forget it's somewhat it's something that i really it's like it's my favorite city in the midwest like it like it's it literally is my the thing that like I I would love to go to and like just spend more time in and be around and uh we got personality yeah like I I just love it um obviously it's not for everybody but like who cares like place is great um just, just admit it Nathan you like eating glizzies like just admit it you like our hot dogs yeah they're good but Kuma's corner <laughs> Kuma's corner Kuma's corner <laughs> you haven't been yet have you no I I don't go out and eat too much you know inflation and all that shit. Well, when uh, when I head up there, we're gonna I, we're gonna have to go there, dude, because it's yeah. it's definitely uh definitely like my go to every time I'm in Chicago. I Hell yeah, to. brother! Next time the WWE is in United Center, just come up. 
Well, yeah, the double bill with the Chicago Bulls game. <laughs> Do you imagine if we like went to go see the WWE at United Center and then like we don't know, but then you just hear the walkout for the main event for Friday Night SmackDown and you just say, the, "Can you smell what the Rock is cooking?" And I'll walk out the door. <laughs> Shout out. I, I like how you let me just say we were going to go to a Friday night SmackDown versus a Monday night Raw. Yeah, I was going to say, like, when you were saying, talking about SmackDown, I was like, that's the like the lesser of the two. Wow. I grew up on SmackDown. That was the that was the working class show. That's because Batista and Rey Mysterio were on SmackDown. Oh, yeah. The animal brother. Dude, Batista is the greatest living. Like, I, Ryan. Hey, dude. You know what, Ryan Johnson, you're right. And I've been saying, and and Chris, you can back me up on this. I've been saying this for years. I've been saying Batista is the best wrestling uh yeah. like turned actor. He like is. I've been saying I've been saying that for years. And then mm-hmm. I just hear it from from Ryan Johnson and I'm just like, finally, somebody mm-hmm. said it. <laughs> like he is. I, 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 I watch part of Black Adam and the and Batista shows so much more emotion and glass onion than like the half of like most of like Black Adam, like Black Adam in the Rock, there's like no personality. I don't want to watch that movie, but so yeah, I won't. I watched half of it. <laughs> but yeah, um, okay, Nathan, before you get going, I figured a smart, a fun little thing to put you on the spot. Give me your top five sports films. As we talk about sports documentaries, give me your top five sports films. It could be sports films that are fictional, non-fictional. They could be documentary films. Give me your top five sports films. Shoot, this is going to be hard to do. I, I don't know if I could put them in order, per se. No order, give, just five. I can give you five. Um, definitely Moneyball. Um, mm. Moneyball is one of my favorite uh, movies, um, probably of all time. It's it's one of the reasons why I like the Oakland A's, Like besides the fact that I grew up <laughs> being around my dad, who has a bunch of Missouri like sports memorabilia, and the Kansas City A's athletics used to be a thing. And that's where they were before they went to Oakland. So I, I grew up being around a lot of that stuff. Um, so that's that's a great, uh, great film. Um, I really love Everybody Wants Some by Richard Linklater. Ooh. That's a college baseball movie. And like, but it's just so freaking good. Mm-hmm. And like Linklater, like, I mean, it's such an underrated film. It's not talked about that much. And I, I think everyone should go watch that movie. Um I like Hoosiers, of course. I, as like I said, I'm I'm a big Indiana um, basketball fan, so of course, you know, like that. That's actually like that's probably why Indiana's known for basketball. It's not the Pacers. It's actually the Hoosiers is why a lot of people know about um, you know them in particular. Um, the other thing too is like obviously, um, man, I, I don't want to say Hoop Dreams, so I won't say Hoop Dreams because that's a documentary. <laughs> you a could film. say documentary. But yeah, I, I would say Hoop Dreams is up there. Like it, it is just an incredible film, and like I can't, I can't stop thinking about it um, as much as I, um, you know, like why the reason why I watch these things is like is the reasons I'm seeing those things in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I would say maybe the last one that like really plays um, kind of a, a big role in like me growing up. Um, is probably the Sandlot. Um, yeah. Oh, I I just talked about three freaking baseball movies, <laughs> three basketball <laughs> movies. Um, I like a lot of other sports movies too. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, Sandlot has like a lot of special history with me because, I mean, the reason I talked about these baseball movies is because my dad is probably the biggest baseball fan I know. Um, he like myself has. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a collecting problem he's a he's a hoarder actually of uh, baseball 
memorabilia and uh it his his collection of things uh dwarfs mine um or sorry uh it my my collection dwarfs his by like times like 20 like that's how much my dad has um <laughs> and, he, and i'm and i'm and he is just he's always loved baseball he's grown up as he used to play college baseball um he he grew up uh with the sport and like i mean that means it means a lot to me uh even though i don't really follow it as much but when i go to baseball games um or when i watch like the sandlot that's like so it just brings me back to like those days where it's like i used to play pickup games with my you know with my friends and then also like thinking about my dad so like Mm -hmm. and so yeah nope this one's for him, man. So this what this episode is for, I, I would say, is for it's for that father-son relationship for me. Nice. So. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I feel like sports, whether like we're a fan of sports now or not, I feel like sports ties into film, which I feel like they're always at butting heads, you know, the the film bros versus the sports jocks, you know, I feel like they butt heads, but then we can meet in the middle, you know, because like in my top from not my five. Yeah. I'll say my top five in no order. I mean, you get things like draft day, which are freaking awesome. You know, I'm going to put draft day in there. I'm going to put Spike Lee's. He's got game in there. I'm going to put major league three because it's inside the sequel. And I'm that fucking idiot as a kid, major league baseball, three back to the minors. I'm going to throw that in there. I'm going to throw Rocky three in there as well oh i should have picked a boxer movie damn uh, <laughs> um and then you know i'm gonna sound basic as fuck for this one um but i'm gonna put uh surfs up uh, surfs up the the surfing movie it's tied surfs up the the the, the dreamworks animated film it's a tie between that and then blue crush 2 oh, i thought you're gonna say brink <laughs> now blue crush 2 and surfs up both surfing movies they're tied for fifth but those are my five sports movies. Um, but yeah, I, I think like even if you're not a fan of the sport, watching sports movies is really entertaining and it's really fun. As long as there's like some comedy and there's some drama and possibly some romance. Mm-hmm. Re- recipe for a great film. Um, but, but that's why we're talking that's why we talked about Brian and the Boss, because you get that. You get you kind of get some drama, you get some great iconic moments, you get great storytelling, just like any other film. So shout out 30 for 30, shout out those documentary films. Um I highly recommend watching 30 for 30 in general. If not, um, Brian and the Boz would be a great one um, to check out, especially if you're a fan of like, you know, Brian, the Boz in um, Stone Cold or any of his other films. I think like ones like Revolution Road, I believe. Um, yeah, Revolution, Revelation Road and then Revelation Road 2. Shit, there's just a sequel. Might have to cover that at some point. Here we go. <laughs> there we go. Uh, but yeah, check those out. Uh, other than that, though, Nathan, hey, what's going on in your channel, boss? Like, what do you got coming up? Oh, um, well, I'm uh, still piecing together like my top ten films of the of the year, so I think I might do a um, a, a video on that soon. Uh, I have a big project coming up where I'm going to be doing something cool in my movie room, which you know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I'm probably going to be trying to film and uh, in, in bits and pieces. I. I don't really know how to do time-lapse stuff, but I might do that. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, uh, I have a probably a big collection kind of update because I like to do that every year, which is going to be a pain in my ass because it gets <laughs> more and more every year and my arm gets tired when I like talk about these things. But here yeah. we are. You're basically doing what the uh, the flick pick does every year where he goes through his entire Blu-ray collection and he puts them all on the floor and then like sorts through them 
and like says, "Oh yeah, this movie is in my collection." This I don't movie. take them off my shelf. I, I, I'm like, I just my camera just goes through my shelf. I'm like, here's the things. Um, I don't know. Like, I feel like I want to do something different this year. Uh, I don't want it to be insubstantial. You know what I mean? That's, mm-hmm. That maybe unsubstantial. That's the word. I don't know. Anyway, something that has some kind of substance to it is what I'm trying to do with it. Ah. Not like here, look at all my shit. I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? I, I get that. I think I, if I were, I haven't done a, my complete Blu-ray collection in a very long time, but if I were to do one today, I'd probably put a ranking in order of films that make me feel more like a virgin and ones that make me feel less like a virgin. That's a good, that's a good list. And um, I started from 90, less to more because 99. the films get better as the more of a virgin I am. Ooh. Yeah. Come and see, man. <laughs> yeah i just (laughs) yeah i can't wait to show everyone that i have ghost world on criterion because i'm the biggest virgin there is Uh, i feel like that's a movie that could could get you laid if you watch it with the right person i feel like you could (laughs) you know that leads me into um you know if you want to check out the youtube channel we just recently had put out um what did we put out recently um our top 10, uh, I did my, my top 10 of 2022 video. I did. Um, and then, then one of the next videos that's going to be coming out is our top, is, is our top five recommended first date films. Ooh. Um, yeah. So speaking about getting laid, you know, listen to this top five video that's going to be coming out soon. Well, review of uh, Kung Pao. You're the fifth <laughs> that list. You always got to bring up that film. You got to let the world know that I've watched that film more than three times. We've, we've watched it at least 20 I, yeah yeah we watched it probably more times than the undertaker has won at wrestlemania jeez <laughs> oh jeez now the snorting starts <laughs> wee, wee, wee. <laughs> but yes if you um you know like this episode if you're a fan of sports films or 30 for 30s in general let us know on twitter um where you can interact with me and the the show at sequel pod um on twitter you can follow me at hurtastic underscore chris Nathan, where can people check out that wonderful channel that's going to have a chock full of goodies in 2023? Well, you can follow me on specifically Blu-rays with Nathan Jones. Uh, I'm on there on YouTube. Um, You can also follow me on um, Twitter and Instagram. I'm not on there as much as I... It's good that I'm not on there, but um, yeah, I'm sure Chris will have those links too if uh, I don't remember all the names and underscores and all that stuff as social media and stuff. Jesus, dude, you're getting old. Dude, I am I am about to get by a Roth IRA a look at. <laughs> there you are. Everyone, I highly recommend checking out Nathan Jones and the Nathan Jones YouTube channel. It's awesome. You'll find something you'll like on there as well. Check out his film journeys YouTube channel as well. Um, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's been good to catch up and uh yeah, talk about sports is just something I know that a lot of people probably aren't at this uh stage of the podcast listening to, but you know, uh it's 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 good to be here <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that we both both enjoy that um yeah isn't really thought about much so i appreciate it man yeah no problem at all man thanks for making the time for me um next time we'll probably talk about something of a little bit more our speed aka a shitty disney sequel film i'm i'm in no matter <laughs> what it is and there probably needs to be more booze next time yeah Beverly Hills show out 3 look out for it <laughs> first there you go. 
Uh, but yeah, if you like this episode, uh, I highly recommend checking out um, our other episodes in 2022. Um, you can find us on YouTube where we post our episodes on Hurtastic Reviews. You can check us on Twitter. Again, the show is at SequelPod as well. Email the show at SequelPod at gmail.com. I love reading the uh, the fan email and the recommendations um, are really great. Um, also want to give a quick shout out um, to Kip Vaughn, who's been always a supporter of the podcast, who's reached out. He's been working on an awesome project as well um called the present the present can't can be 2020 uh where he kind of goes back and revisits things from the the past um it talks about things that he really enjoyed um but yeah check out kip vaughn and all his awesome work on twitter as well and that's again that's kip vaughn so shout that out um but yeah my name is chris at um inside the sequel and remember if you aren't watching 30 for 30 sports documentaries you really care about cinema other than that 